Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and joined today by Mark Douglas and Chris Swarth. It is the Monday after the Saturday that was the Watford game, Chris. And it's fair to say we are searching for the positives. We've said we are going to try and find some from that game. Um, but there, was, there weren't really that many. There weren't that many. It was, as I tweeted on Saturday, I think it was the single worst performance Newcastle put in under Benitez, certainly at St James's Park. I would possibly Southampton away when Newcastle were relegated 3-1 there they were, they were terrible then but it was it was strange because for 15 minutes as has been the case in, in a few games this season they actually looked quite sharp they looked almost a, a level with Watford but certainly as soon as they fell behind and then from that point on it was uh, Watford were better in every single department tactically physically uh, mentally technically Every every single facet of the game that they were ahead, they exposed Newcastle's weaknesses, particularly down Newcastle's right, where Yedlin and um, Matt Ritchie didn't deal with them out wide, and all three goals came from that flank. And then second half, Newcastle became ragged, started chasing the game, lost their shape, and it could have been four, five, six, really in the end. And it was it, it just showed the gulf that there is now between Newcastle and Watford, and there is between Newcastle and certain teams, certain established teams in this division, and that, that really Newcastle need. To, there needs to be a realisation of where Newcastle are this is the position they're in they do lack quality in certain key areas and that they're really I think the 4-4-2 experiment has been and gone I don't think it worked um, it, hasn't, it hasn't brought the additional goals Newcastle have only scored one in three games instead they've conceded eight during that time they've lost that solidity they had before and I think that we're going to see a return to four-two-three-one soon enough because Newcastle—that was the basis for when Newcastle was succeeding—and I think that's what they'll go back to soon enough. Would it be fair to say, Mark, that it wasn't an off day? It, it looks like there was there's something maybe more uh, centrally wrong there. Um, I think probably the, the the truth of the matter is that they weren't as good as they looked when they were doing well, uh, and they were sort of just below. You know, I mean, obviously, we go back to that Burnley game; they could have gone ahead of Burnley and into mm-hmm. the top six. Then uh, they weren't, you know, they weren't at that level. They're probably not as bad as they're playing at the moment. You know, the truth is somewhere in between. Um, there are, I mean, there are fundamental problems that, that we that we kind of knew about. And I mean, we we had the podcast, didn't we, in September, September the first, and said, look, this is there's going to be a problem scoring goals because they don't seem to have a lot of goals in them. So that is a that is a problem. Um, uh, the, the, probably the good news I would say and if we're going to try and be positive is that defensively they can be a lot better than they were on Saturday and that's where the improvement's going to come from I don't think they're going to suddenly start scoring a load of goals the, the midfield was a problem on Saturday and they've got two players potentially coming back uh, tomorrow Mikel Marino and Isaac Hayden who was a big miss on uh, on Tuesday as well um, but yeah, I mean, it was really bad on it was really bad on Saturday, and, and a few of the weaknesses that we know that Newcastle have were just exposed ruthlessly. Um, but you know, 
they're not like I think there's there's this kind of tendency to think when they play as badly as that they look you know they're going to be banging a relegation fight. I think that Rafa was probably right when he said after the game, look, you know, this was always potentially going to happen to us, and um, you know, it, it is just a case of just get to forty points by any means necessary. And if there's bad days like Saturday, then you know they're, they're just part of the collateral damage of a season where you know survival is going to be the main aim and as depressing as that might be for a club of Newcastle size that that's probably where we are as Chris said but looking at the defence I mean there were some glaring errors not just the goals but I mean Watford barely looked like they had to really get out of first gear and they had a a field day once Newcastle conceded yeah the defence struggled down the the right hand side as I've said Yedlin and Ritchie there seemed to be some confusion as to who they were meant to be picking up exactly because Watford were playing essentially 5-4-1 they had a wing back plus a wide man and it seemed that at times that that as bad as Yedlin was that Ritchie left Yedlin to cover both men and that really did expose Newcastle and the two of them even by the 73rd minute there was a moment where they looked at each other as if to say you should be marking him no you should be and neither of them knew and that was a concern Lejeune in the last couple of matches without having Lascelles alongside him with him being absent and, and being switched to the right centre-back rather than left centre-back he's been caught out a couple of times Yeah I was going to say Lejeune Lejeune for all that I think he has played well he's probably been at fault for more of the goals than anybody else yeah. he, was, he did struggle on, on, on Saturday at times um, got pulled out of position and we were slipped in the, the, third goal, the, the third goal where he was basically playing it right back wasn't he and yeah he played it right back and showed Ricarlison onto his better foot and allowed him to cross it as well didn't make that much better Clark hasn't shown the form he showed last season in the last few weeks um, it's come to admittedly come back into a side a, a slightly struggling side but hasn't offered the solidity that, that Lascelles has Mankiel we know has defensive issues isn't even a left back really by trade he's a right back who can play a left back Newcastle really have missed Paul Dummett for he's only played seven minutes a season. The sooner he gets fit, the better. And and they need Jamal Lascelles back because I think it's not just what he offers in terms of a player. I think his leadership's been missed slightly on the pitch. There was points in the second half on Saturday where players were almost blaming each other, looking at each other. There was no one really galvanising that, and I, I don't think that. Uh, John Joe Shelby has the same captaincy credentials as Jamal Lascelles does. I don't think he leads the team as well as, as Lascelles does, and I think that the sooner he's back, the better in that regard. I was just going to ask you there because for the third goal, and then even after that, when I think what I think Andre Graham missed his sit after that, you could see Kieran Clark having a right go at Manquillo. Now, how does Benitez? Does Benitez just let them get on with that? Do you think that's just on the pitch? What stays on the pitch? Well. There's a good there's a good culture at Newcastle of players kind of um, taking responsibility for for, for their own mistakes. Um, I, you know, I think for all the problems that that happened on Saturday, I don't think you could say that it was a team that that wasn't you know wasn't trying. It wasn't a team performing below its level, which I think was the um, was always the problem with the McLaren era. Was like, look, you know, we can't, what, what are we getting out of this team? It was a shambles, but I don't think it was a shambles that came from. Ill-discipline, like from I don't think they were unprofessional. I think they just lost their way because they just there wasn't you know they weren't following the instructions that Benitez gives them. Um, and, and I think yeah, I mean you know you see it a few times they're shouting at each other, but that, you know that's going to happen. I think when they when they lose like that, you'd rather that than um, nobody than, than being shrinking violets and not talking to each other. You know I think there's a good culture of taking a, taking responsibility, and they will be hurting in that dressing room. There's no doubt about it. It won't be like you know, I said we're trying to be positive, and I think there is there is a lot of 
things that you can be positive about. All of the things that we've spoken really highly about under the, under Raf and the, the cultural changes that he's made haven't haven't gone away. You know, this dressing room will be hurting much more, I think, than you know the dressing room that we saw under McLaren and under Carver, where sometimes I felt, with, you know, with John Carver, he was hurting 10 times as much as the players were. Whatever you thought about John Carver, he cared deeply. These players really do care and they will be feeling terrible about what happened on Saturday because they weren't up to it. And I think the, the Clark Mankio, I think it's difficult with Mankio because I don't think he's up to it. I, I don't think the Rafa particularly... He was on the, the, the at the top of the list of players that Rafa wanted. He knows he knew the limitations of Mankio. He knows that Mankio is doing a job, and sometimes this season he's been okay. Um, but when you come up against a team like Watford, who did and you know they just exposed Newcastle's limitations really well. They were efficient. They were effective. I thought they knew what they wanted to do. If Newcastle had scored the first goal, it might have been different. Um, but the, these the margins in the Premier League. You know that they, they're just. Newcastle lacking that bit of quality is kind of it, it, it then exposes problems elsewhere uh, and even good players like your Lejeunes I mean I, I didn't think you know they've got three or four good players who are probably Premier League quality in Newcastle we can talk about Mankio who wasn't good enough really we can talk about Jocelyn who isn't really up to it and, and that's I don't want that to sound as if I'm kind of like joining in a chorus of criticism against him but you know it was more I think more of a concern for me was I didn't see Shelby getting on the ball as much as he did at Old Trafford. Uh, Richie was had his worst game probably for Newcastle for a while. Um, the, th- the thing of the Mark says about, about the players hurting as well. I have to be fair on DeAndre Edlin who, who came out and spoke after the game and for the first few answers, only one or two word answers. But you could see just because he, he was he was hurting for the performance he'd put in and, and the team in general. But he did still he stood there and did the interview. Eventually said some things. Said it was. One of his hardest days in football, one of his hardest days for Newcastle United, and you could see it did mean something to him that that was he was in, he was hurting after that. So I think that that is true. That the, the the dressing room, it's not that they don't care. The passion was there. It just happens to be that, that they are lacking in, in certain areas at the moment, and confidence is certainly low. As I said, I don't think the new formation suiting them. It's it, it's been a real struggle since there. That any defensive solidity they had before has gone a little bit. And it almost, I think, to play four four two in the Premier League, you you need two midfielders who are all action and get everywhere. You could probably afford to do it with someone like N'Golo Kante, as Leicester did, because he covers so much ground. But Newcastle were there was Watford had three in the middle, and they were, they just ran the game between mm. Decore, Hughes, and cleverly the three of them just ran the game, and, and Newcastle couldn't get anywhere near them. And I think that. Benitez will return to that because as he speaks of the short blanket he's spoken about it so many mm. times and I think Newcastle have pulled it up too far and to little real effect because they've only scored one goal in three yeah. games anyway What was surprising was that Rafa didn't change it at half time that was the yeah. one you know for, for the for the all of the kind of like you know and I think on this podcast and like you know I take a, a battering sometimes on Twitter on a Saturday I sometimes have to turn my phone off because um, you know, I think there are some angry people um, who sort of say why don't you criticise Rafa why don't you criticise Rafa it doesn't do anyone any good to, to be going on and hammering a manager who's world class and knows what he's doing. But having said that, on Saturday, I could see the criticism of a substitute. Why, why didn't he substitute? Why didn't he make substitutions? Why didn't he change things at half time? Because um, I think they, they, I think they got a bit discombobulated by the fact that um, they conceded that goal just before half time. I think they had a plan. Mm. But if they were one nil down for how they were going to do it and I think that the conceding that goal just before half time was, was really bad for Newcastle because it just meant that you know they never looked like they were going to get back into it they, 
you know, you can see if they concede one, they could potentially get an equaliser. I think two goals in a game is beyond Newcastle at this stage, um, which is which is which is the worry. So they have to stay tighter. Um, and uh, you know, why Rafa didn't make more changes? Why he didn't maybe tactically change things um, at half time? But that's the first time you could say that about him. And, and he'll have a, he'll have had a reason. You know, it's not like. Um, uh, and this is kind of like what you what you think about Benitez. Look, he's the guy is absolutely ridiculous. Like everything that, that that they're doing this season, you know, he's got this process, this plan. And I know it's hard for people to hear when they're losing, um, but that's when good managers kind of come to the fore. You know, like there's a plan there. He's not going to abandon it. He's not going to, you know, suddenly you're not going to see a team tomorrow that's like, oh god, you know. He's He's picked somebody who you just wouldn't expect, and it's this. Where's well, the sense in that? They're, they're kind of going through something at the moment, and um, you know, it, it, as, as bad as it is, I think what he said about everybody staying united, and he included the media in that, which I thought was quite interesting, um, because uh, you know, it, it does have to be like he relies on us to get, you know, to, to kind of put a sense of context in it, because we all know the media ecosystem's different now. The loudest voices get heard, and people getting really angry about things afterwards you know he knows that look you've got a responsibility to represent the way that the fans are actually feeling rather than the the two percent that are really angry and calling for him to go or whatever he's, he's kind of saying you've got a responsibility to represent this fan base well as well and you know I think there's something in that um, he's not telling us how to do our jobs but he's saying look the fans have a responsibility to to kind of like you know to keep behind this team he said I take my responsibility very seriously and and you know, I know people don't like being lectured to, and of course, there was justified criticism towards him and the players on Saturday. But um, you know, you've just got to keep perspective. They could lose the next two games, um, and you know, it would feel very, very worrying then. But it's a long season, um, and you know, that, that, that's all you can say at the moment. I think the positive as well in terms of Rafa being here is. If it come to September the 1st and Rafa Benitez thought he had a squad who couldn't sort of survive in the Premier League, he would have walked at that point. What he said, why he was so annoyed on September the 1st was he thought he, had a, he has a squad who he thinks can survive, but he thought with three, four, five additions, further additions on what he had, that could have been challenging for top 10 quite comfortably. That is, that, and, and so in that context, yes, they do need strength in January, undoubtedly, but Benitez sees enough in the squad to believe that over the course of a 38-game season they can't survive in the Premier League. And so for that, as much as, as Saturday's performance was, was worrying in a lot of regard, and I understand why a lot of Newcastle fans went away from that game glum, we have seen positives so far this season. It was a three-game win and run. There's been a few times where they did look defensively solid earlier in the campaign. I think they will get back to that. The one issue, I think, with the West Brom game is that it's, with it being on a Tuesday, it's a good thing in terms of it's only a couple of days after Saturday, but... At the same time, it means Newcastle have had barely any time to prepare for it. Benitez likes to, to be meticulous with his game plan. He'll have only had two training sessions with the players, and that isn't an ideal situation in that regard, particularly for a team who are going to likely try and exploit set pieces against Newcastle. So, But they have to just go there and, and, and try and rediscover that defensive solidity and build from there, because they're not going to win games by having a right go at teams, because we've seen that they just don't actually have the attacking capability to score more goals than the opposition they have to try and restrict the opposition and then capitalise on the opportunities when they come Formation wise it looked to me like it obviously it was set up in a kind of 4-4-2 four, 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 but the midfield wasn't playing wasn't kind of connecting with, with the two the two up front because it just didn't work it didn't look like Matt Ritchie and 
uh, Jacob Murphy would, you know, putting the ball in for Jocelyn or, or Dwight Gale. What, was it? Do you think there's a bit of miscommunication there? I mean, it, it looked. Well, I, th- I don't think it's a full-on four-four-two. I think Hosselu drops slightly deeper, and he becomes almost at times he becomes an extra attacking midfielder slash second striker. But it seemed that Murphy, I don't know if this was by accident or by design, almost had a free role at times. He was cutting inside, going from left to right, going to pitch, and he was the one bright spark I would say from the game. But there's one player, yes, his decision making. It is still he's still raw and he makes mistakes but in terms of he was the one player who looked like he was going to make something happen he set up the Hosloo chance at nils each he set up the Hosloo chance at 3-0 where Hosloo slid it and put it straight at the keeper um, and there was a few other sparks in the game Richie just I think it just was an afternoon where it just didn't happen for him and he's not in great form at the moment he hasn't scored yet this season Shelby I think this is the, this is one of the reasons why he probably didn't make it to Liverpool and why there are so many doubts about him still in the top flight is that when games are like this, when you need your midfield to take control, he almost reverts to type, which is to, to, to rather than look to... We know the sort of passes he's capable of. He has a brilliant repertoire, but he just reverts to, to, knocking deep, to going deep and then knocking the ball long. And to Dwight Gale, that was never going to have any real positive effect. And I think that it was just... An, I think Newcastle's limitations were exposed and, and the players... Didn't didn't come up with a game plan out there to 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 cope with what Watford have thrown at them. But on Charlie, I'm going to defend him a little bit here because we know his passing ability and we know what he can do with the ball. It seemed that everyone just wanted to pass to him, which is understandable. We know he can create something out of nothing. But some of the passes he was getting were hospital balls, and it seems to be that if they're in a bit of trouble, they just tend to go to Shelby, and then he's moving got his back to the to the way they're attacking. So Shelby hasn't really got. The time or space to, to do what he does best. Well, he hasn't. I think that part of the reason why Marino's been brought in is to is to, to take some of that burden off Shelby. But also at the same time, if you look at the vast majority of of top flight teams, they tend to have a midfielder who's the go to man when you're under pressure and and who will hopefully get you out of that situation. Now, to you can argue to a certain extent that's unfair on Shelby, but that's the role he has in the team. Everyone knows his quality, what he is capable of. Marino, when he plays, takes that burden off him somewhat, but. Marino isn't going to be there every week. There are going to be injuries. There's going to be suspensions. There's going to be squad rotation over the next few weeks. And and I think that and this isn't having to go at Shelby and Peter. I think every single Newcastle player was under power on, on Saturday and have been for a few weeks. But that's just one of the critiques I would have of Shelby at the minute. Just I think he can grow in certain areas and improve if he wants, particularly if he wants to get in that England squad for next summer. And obviously Mitrovic, the you know, <laughs> he's just the man who just wants you know that every player, every supporter seems to want him in the side, mm-hmm. and yet Rafa doesn't really share that feeling. Well, if you say that um, Shelby, you know, knocking it, knocking these longer balls, you know, it, it looked to me as if they did that a few times actually in the second half uh, before Mitrovic came on and there's no point in doing that with Gale there and you know, Mitrovic is a much better outlet ball um, than Gale will ever be and, and Jocelyn as well. And so that's the question, isn't it, really, whether does Rafa risk putting Mitrovic in and then maybe they hit that ball more often and he obviously thinks that that's not, that's not one of their strengths is, is hitting a big man and, um, and playing directly and stuff but I, you know it looked you've got to be honest about Mitrovic he came on and, and, and did actually miss a couple of chances on Saturday but he came on very late and with the game at 3-0 it wasn't, you know, wasn't really necessarily the time for him um, uh, to come on and do, and do a lot but I, you know I, I think I would put, I would go with Mitrovic, but obviously, I think at the, at the moment, I just and the reason I would do that is not because I necessarily think that Mitrovic is the the great white hope. I don't think he's going to 
transform Newcastle United but I, I don't see any goals at the moment in Josselu and the problem is in Josselu you've got a guy there who maybe is bringing players into it but it's not having an effect in that he might be doing some work some really good work but they've scored one goal in four um, and you know arguably in the game before that they were they struggled as well really didn't they, they yeah, obviously scored his looks shot I mean he had yeah. a couple of chances on you know, against Watford probably the, the best one was when he slid to the floor yeah. when I mean I haven't seen a replay but from, from seeing it there in person it looked like it was a lot easier than yeah and and the, the thing is with him he's not really connected with anything has he I mean obviously he scored he scored on the uh, on his debut but then you know he, he I mean there was a header against Swansea which he was close a header against was it Swansea or Brighton where yeah, Swansea. Swansea where he looked really close he came very close against Stoke a few times and, and looked you know, they're like, he might score, but really since then he's not looked like he's going to score. And I think technique-wise, you know, he snatches at things and, and there's just like this kind of lack of conviction about him. I think that, that, that worries me because, you know, Newcastle are almost needing three or four chances to score and they're not creating enough chances. Mitrovic, like, for whatever you say about him, I think he's a more natural goal scorer than... <clears throat> than Josselu. Um Gale is probably the one that you'd say might might be a little bit more of a natural goal scorer. Um, and I think he'll probably go with Gale. But if he does go with Gale, then he's got to, I think, give Mitrovic more of a chance if, if things aren't going well for Newcastle. Because if you're saying your plan A isn't Mitrovic, then your plan B really has to be him. Because what is the plan B otherwise? There is no plan B because they haven't really got anybody else in reserve. But it looks like Rafa's, okay, I accept that Rafa's reasoning for not having him as a plan A makes sense to an extent, although they're not scoring enough goals. But for not even having him as a plan B, like where is the... I, I, I'm not sure that's the one thing about Rafa, where he's going at the moment. is uh, I don't really understand that. It's like, you know, look, he's an alternative. If he's not a start, then he's at least an alternative. You're 2-0, 3-0 down, or 2-0 down on Saturday. You know... I understand the argument that you don't, you know, you, you, you have a plan. That's fine, but then you have, but then what was the point in not bringing him on on Saturday? I, I couldn't see that, and it was the same against Bournemouth. Okay, against Bournemouth, maybe it was the argument that we were we're nil nil. If he comes on, we change the way we play. We lose a bit of that. Uh, we lose a bit of that fluidity, which they lost anyway. By the way, by not changing, um, I understood against Manchester United why they didn't bring him on a bit earlier because they were playing quite well. But Saturday, it just felt a bit like. Look, it surely makes more sense to bring him on, um, you know. And I would like to see that against West Brom, um, Chelsea. You know, again is another tough game for them. But against West Brom, could he make a difference? You know, yeah. I mean, they've got eight games of there between now and January the first. Uh, nine, nine games between now and January the first. Well, like, so he's going to be here until January the first. So he really has to be integrated in some way. Um, Rafa's got his reasons but I, I, that's the one thing I just struggle with is like okay he doesn't fancy him as a starter but like surely as a plan B he's, it, it makes sense to at least give him the opportunity um, so you know it, it's difficult isn't it because they, they haven't got a lot in reserve and, and he is probably the only thing that they have got in reserve that can change the game off the bench I mean, looking at West Brom, obviously they may confirm Pardew as manager before that game. He isn't going to be leading team out tomorrow. But um, just before we get onto that game, one thing about Rafa being in charge that even though Newcastle have lost, is it the last? I think the last four of them, one and five. 
There's not that panic one yet. Eight. One in eight. Sorry, there's not that panic yet. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Um, <laughs> so I was just looking at the form to you. I didn't want to look any further back than that. Um, yeah, there's not that panic yet, though. And is it? You think that? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Because some people might say, well, there's that blind faith towards Rafa Benitez. Um, and others will go, well, you know, it is Rafa Benitez. So he- it's, it's, it's a good thing because, I mean, if you're talking about panic in this situation, you would be thinking, well, where we were two years ago in terms of covering Newcastle United. And at that point, it, it didn't look like it was working under Steve McLaren. And you were looking as to who else could come in. Eventually, Rafa did come in f- f- the equivalent of four months from now when, Nick, when it was almost a lost cause. But you tell me who's going to come in and who would you rather have than Rafa Benitez in terms of you look at the you look at the clubs who fired the manager Everton five weeks ago fired Ronald Coleman still haven't got a manager West Brom are going to go towards Alan Pardew would Newcastle fans want Alan Pardew back I'd say the vast majority probably wouldn't uh, you've got a situation whereby West Ham appointed David Moyes who had just been relegated last season with uh, with West Ham uh, with Sunderland and you're looking around it Swansea are thinking about changing Paul Clement where are they going to turn it's not as if there's a there's a whole list of managers and you're thinking oh we get rid of Rafa Benitez is, is world class manager and I don't think there, there is any way to move towards that yet and rightly so because I, was, I just said I've not actually said no 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 I know but in terms of but if you're, if you're saying if the panic was going to set in that would be the level of panic if panic sets in if you're saying should people be more worried about the current set, state of form that's that's when you think well it's the manager's the one who's before January the only thing you can change the only thing you can affect is the manager maybe panic was the wrong word maybe criticism because yeah. that was more what I was maybe well, I think said there but I think I think you know the critic- criticisms is obvious. They've lost four. They've lost. <coughs> they've lost four games. Um, there are definitely areas where they could improve. You know, Rafa will be saying that as well. Um, but I, I think actually it's quite a positive thing. And I think some some of this. Um, I think maybe we, we're in a mode of like because we haven't trusted managers at Newcastle like for the last few years, justifiably really. Um, that you know it, it feels weird to be. You know, I think that people are kind of almost reacting to this idea of look you know something's got to change because it does because the form has to change or the personnel has to change but the manager doesn't have to change because the manager uh, and the way that he's running the team is the best that Newcastle have had for such a long time he's got you know he's a great manager like he, he, you know the, the when you see what he does um, he's obviously the best option they've got and I, and I think that every Newcastle, same Newcastle United fan and sober Newcastle United fan in terms of their judgement understands that and, and I think you could see it on Saturday yeah, look, there was a few boos at the end. Of course, there was because people are frustrated. I would have, you know, I was yeah, like, I'm not even a Newcastle fan, and so there was things that I was like holding my head in, and like, so, you know, you felt like you wanted to scream into the air because it was that bad. So, understandably, a few people booed at the end, but Newcastle fans were still supportive right up to the end, and they will be supportive. They lose on Tuesday, they lose on Saturday, they come back against Leicester in the, on the ninth. I guarantee you those Newcastle, Newcastle fans will be will be cheering from the Rafa's again because they know and, and that's why Rafa's here because he's a better manager when he's given a bit of time and get, given a bit of leeway you know and, and, and that's the point you know nobody's going to be I, I think it would take something absolutely extraordinary for people to start calling for Rafa Benitez's head you know as I said before like that you know I, I don't want to have a go at another media but what is the point in putting out on your Facebook page a um, call from like maybe one of the 52,000 people who was there on Saturday who's calling for Rafa Benitez to go. It just doesn't represent the way that Newcastle fans feel about Rafa Benitez and the way that Newcastle fans feel about this current run. Of course they're upset. People care about the football club. That's why we get people listening to this podcast. That's why we, you know, the, the Chronicle 
um, represents football so much in, in the paper and stuff that's why but it's not you know it, it's just a slightly different feel this time McLaren didn't have a plan he was talking rubbish to be perfectly honest at this point in the relegation season oh, they did have a bit of a revival they had better players as well that's they the difference we said on September the 1st you look at the squad two years ago compare what it is now you had Busa Sissoko you can mm. say what you want about him is now at yeah. Spurs and you had Jorginho G- Wijnaldum who's playing in the Champions League for Liverpool you had a, a lot of a better squad mm. in theory th- than you do now and this is what we all thought this on September the, the 1st they, they surprised us and went on a good run and this is there was always going to be a bleak spell did we think it was ever going to be this bleak well maybe we got fooled by the positivity in and as Mark says I think the team is really somewhere in between mm. but I think another positive you can look at is you take away the top six in the Premier League maybe maybe it's a top eight if you want to include Burnley and a couple of us in that because they're playing well at the moment and every single one of those teams, I can guarantee at some point across the course of the season, will be yeah. sitting here having similar conversations well, to what we're having about Newcastle United now. There was, a, there was quite a, a funny um, uh, t- a tweet sent out by one of the, I can't remember which, which football website it was, but it was saying, I think it was one of the American NBC or something was saying, right, crisis team of the week, Newcastle. Yeah. And the implication of that, of that feature is that there is a crisis team every week, and there is. You've got Westbourne have sat their manager. You've got Swansea in dire straits, and they feel they're they're, they're worrying about where they are at the moment. Um, you've got all well, all bottom six of of, of uh, sat their manager. Everton are in dire straits and stuff. And you know, it, the fact is that the Premier League, the way it's set up and the way it's kind of run, it means that it's very hard for many teams to be happy with with what's going on at the moment because the top four are so far away. But even within that top four, Liverpool fans, Spurs fans, Arsenal fans are, are feeling angry at times about what's happening and stuff it's a difficult league to manage in um, the one thing I think that probably Newcastle fans are seeing at the moment which is which is maybe worrying them if they watched Huddersfield against Manchester City yesterday they put up a, they were really fighting um, Brighton did really well at Manchester United nearly got a point there as well so I think that's the kind of level of where, where we're at but Rafa will tell you that those two teams got the players that they wanted in the summer he didn't get the players that he wanted and so he, you know, and, and so he's kind of working with probably inferior players. It's cha- to me, it looks like a good championship team that is going to have to overperform to get to forty points as soon as they can. That that's what it always felt like to me. And I know, you know, it's not the worst Newcastle Premier League team ever, but in terms of quality, in terms of experience in the Premier League, you know, they're going to overachieve if they finish anywhere above sixteenth. Is it the worst Premier League squad of this current season? No, no, it's not. Do you think it is, Chris? No, I wouldn't say so. I think, that, I think that the if you were to take the players individually, you could probably argue there's less quality. But I think as a, as a collective, some of the parts, what they are capable of, not what they've shown over the last few weeks, but what, when they are playing the four-two-three-one system, when they are at their best, I think that they're not in the worst three teams. As in that quality they are lacking but as a collective no I don't think it is and it's also like you know we, we that that's kind of the point that we got carried away with last time they went down was by saying look this team is better than it's showing because the individuals are better um, and the, the key really I think for Raffle was always to make the team better than some of its parts which he was doing and now they're not doing and that's that's where the, that's where the worry comes in but um you know, I think the problem for Newcastle is they just haven't got enough players who can step up and make a difference in games 
at the moment and so they have to be really well organised they have to maintain discipline stay at nil-nil you know if they can't score then they have to keep the game at nil-nil for as long as they can um, they're just making individual errors the, the co- level of concentration is so high required to play as defensively strong as Newcastle I watched Huddersfield yesterday and they it was literally about three mistakes defensively mistakes that they made one for the penalty that wasn't given one for the penalty that was and one for the third goal they defended supremely well yesterday um, but they could, they lost and Newcastle did the same against Burnley you know, and it was just like that one goal wasn't it and that's kind of kicked off a bad run um, if they'd got a point there got a point against Bournemouth you'd be saying they're on 16 points that's really good they, that's 7th by the way that's 8th isn't it at the moment yeah <laughs> you know small margin but I, I even think that the one and this is sort of addressing the Mitrovic issue but just the squad in general I mean not only did they not add enough quality in summer they've left a man- the manager with at least one of it, the potential he's only got three out and out strikers you can include Perez as well if you want but one of the three of them he doesn't trust and yet he's been left with them regardless of what you individually think about Mitrovic there's no doubt from what we've seen over the last few weeks Benitez just does not trust them and so not only did they not sign enough quality in the summer they didn't even replace the players who weren't likely to feature in the first team plans and that's why there aren't really options to change as much as you can see I'll bring Mitrovic in well the manager doesn't have any faith in him so he'd be almost he'd be throwing him in just on the hope that he's going to do something without really believing himself that he's going to do something and and, and I think that was the problem McLaren ended up with didn't he um, uh, uh, I think all of this is playing out against the backdrop of this thing with the takeover that's um, that's causing a lot of consternation because it's um, it's there's a lot of energy has been expended on that on, on that discussion and talk, thinking about that talking about that and it's almost like the frustration is ma- is mounting with that whole situation um, and against that backdrop it doesn't help that the team aren't then winning because it's sort of seen as look you know the takeover is, ne- is necessary for the team to go forward um, I actually think there was a bit of a reminder for us on Saturday that, that from Watford that you know, it isn't just about multi, multi millions of pounds because Watford have done pretty well on not a limited budget, but that their owners were sort of characterised as villains of the piece. That they were, you know, they were terrible Italian owners. Actually, when you look at how they've developed in the last few years, they've actually, they've actually a really good model in some ways. Um, you know, Richardson, who played really well on Saturday, was eleven point two million. Newcastle have spent that kind of money on, in the Ashley era, on inferior players to him, um, but they took a chance on him, didn't they? Nineteen years old or how old he is? Sorry, he's still young, isn't he? Eleven point two million pounds, bring him from Brazil. You know, he could have gone either way, and that's the problem with, with Premier League football. I think the takeover situation needs to be resolved as soon as it can, but I don't think it is going to get resolved because they can't get resolved particularly quickly because I think it's it's hard. Um, but you know still getting people this morning asking me what's happening with it what's happening with it and stuff and it's it's difficult isn't it because it's everybody's thinking about it but it, it it's caught you know so much energy is being taken up by that at the moment it's it's not moved on anywhere from last week in the bid but as much as Rafa says it's not a distraction we're concentrating on the football I mean it, it surely has to be some sort of a distraction it is a distraction and I think it's that's been borne out partly by Ashley in the first place announcing in some ways yeah I, I said a few weeks ago we shouldn't have a golden fact he's speaking to people and yes we shouldn't but do it but by him placing 
on record that he wanted the club sold by Christmas. I think if he hadn't added that line, or if his lawyer hadn't added that yeah. line in, it wouldn't necessarily have seen as, as pressing issue as it is. But now every day that passes, it seems all oh, there's far less chance of it uh, happening by Christmas, and, and that hasn't helped. And I also think, from the other point of view, the fact that that Amanda Staveley was seen at, at St James's Park and has made no secret of the fact that she wants to buy the club, I don't think that has actually helped because the longer it goes on with our overtaking, people, the negativity is going to rise. People are going to say, is it happening? Is it not happening? And I don't think it all playing out in public is, a, is of benefit to anyone. And it is proving a distraction, mm-hmm. even if it's just because it's, it's all that's being talked about during the week. The football's almost been missed at times. And Rafa keeps being asked about every single press conference because he has to be, because the club is officially up for sale at the moment. And you can see he's getting frustrated by it, but trying to keep his cool and just saying, look, we can only focus on the team. But it is a distraction whether he wants it to be or not, and he can continue preparing the team all he can. But undoubtedly, it really is a distraction, and Newcastle won even once, I think, since it's happened. I don't think that's a coincidence, although I don't think that's the only factor, don't get me wrong. I think there's a whole mm. uh, myriad reason why they're struggling at the moment, but that is not helping. And obviously, West Brom. Um, tomorrow, like I say, it's come round obviously very quick after the Watford game. Uh, will Rafa Benitez obviously he likes to read everything that's written. He obviously watches the television, the radio. Will he take in the, a bit of the criticism that has been that has come out over the last twenty four hours? Do you think? And will he? How will he? How will he deal oh, with that? Yes. He he he'll know. He'll know, he'll know word of it, yeah. what was being said, and um, he will probably, I would think, be kind of aware of what's being said and. He'll probably answer a lot of those, or he'll, he will attempt to answer some of those questions. I think in the next few weeks, because he's very aware of how important the, the public are in, in Newcastle, and I think we've seen in the past he's been willing to kind of like address the issues and stuff. I don't think it, it won't make any difference to how he goes about things because you know he's very sure of what he does. He he says and has said to us, look, this process that I've got works proved to work at other football clubs it's proved to work at Newcastle last season when they were up against it a little bit and he will just stick with that you know that it won't be a sudden change I mean they might see like little difference but it won't be a sudden change but he will be aware of it yeah um, and, and I think you know he, he keeps saying we've got to stay together doesn't he and that is such a big message for me he keeps saying we've got to stay together and that's not him having a go at fans he's just saying look stick with us stick with us we are united we are united in this we, it's you know, the media, the fans, the players, the, the manager, everybody has to stick together. Um, and normally I'd say that sounds trite because a lot of other managers have tried it. But this time I actually see the, the what he's saying and why he's saying it. Because, you know, going down again would not be in anybody's interests. You know, having a howl of kind of like, you know, the people wanting to kind of, wanting us to... to you know, have a go at the manager or something like that. I don't know. I can't understand that. I don't understand where it gets you to criticise. You can critique, I think, and that makes sense, but criticise and really go at the manager for, you know, bad decisions and stuff doesn't make sense if you're sure that he's, if you think, in your opinion, that he's the right man for the job, as I do, then critiquing what he does is fine, but, but like, you know, like calling for him to make wholesale changes... You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, like there's just a, you have to be clear about what having Rafa Benitez as manager is. It isn't just a walk in the park. You know, they've got three injuries at the moment as well, yeah. and the three quite crucial injuries. Newcastle have a very thin squad in terms of 
what you would say is Premier League quality and you can even mm. argue some of the first team who they have to put out off it but they're missing the captain yeah. and centre back uh, they're <sighs> missing Atsu who a lot of people question why Rafa signed him but now he looks like he was a brilliant mm. signing because they just didn't sign anyone else and he's the one player who, yes he's, again he's frustrating at times but he, he can beat the man he looks like he's going to do something they haven't had the first choice left back all season they've been missing Mikel Marino who is the probably the standout signing they made in the summer and this is what's going to happen when you have a threadbare squad and, and they are missing a few injuries which they've in, on the whole since Benitez has been in charge managed to re, to keep the number of injuries down but at the moment they've got a few that's affecting them and it doesn't unfortunately look like any of Dummett Lascelles or Atsu are going to be back for West Brom hopefully you might have an update from Rafa this afternoon so whether they can be back on Saturday but he suggested uh, they weren't going to be back for West Brom but Marino would be a big plus if he can if he can get decent games out West Brom as would Hayden being back in the side as well there's a, there's a lot of context you've got to put into this bad run you know Newcastle under Rafa it was all progressing like very calmly and very serenely until January until kind of the back end of the winter last year until January when he suddenly started not getting what he wanted uh, or not getting what he thought was needed um, and ever since then it's been a lot more strained it's been a lot more hard for everybody and that's the nature of Newcastle United but you know I keep thinking back to them going for Loftus-Cheek in last January going for Townsend last, last June that's what Rafa said wow we've got the chance we should go out and sign those players you know the team would look stronger with those players so I, I think if you're you know if you're going at Rafa's judgement you, you have to say look I'd be very interested to see what the team would look like if Rafa had if the if the mantra of what Rafa wants Rafa gets which was what he had in the summer had been maintained right until now now no manager gets everything that they want it's not it's not how it is but it's been strained since last January hasn't it It, let's be honest it's not been easy since then Um, and that is that is where where we stand And, and you know going back to the takeover that's why it would be great to have a takeover because I think you'd get full-blooded, not a low-fat Rafa Benitez, which is what you're getting at the moment, this kind of Rafa light, which is what he's having to work on a, you know, a difficult set of circumstances. You get proper Rafa, you get, you know, well, right, what would we look like? And then we could judge whether it was too negative or whether it was... But, you know, at the moment, we're kind of getting a Rafa with his kind of hand tie behind his back a little bit. Um, and he's happy to work like that at the moment because that's he wants to be here he feels the love and he knows that he's getting more leeway here than he would do at any other club um, so that's great for him but that's that's the sort of thing we, we have and, and you know and if Mike Ashley stays and is still the manager as I said in the last couple of podcasts he has to come up with a way of working with Rafa uh, or providing with money or putting money in or giving him some kind of assurances that um, to take Newcastle forward because you know what, where we are this season. This can't be every year for Newcastle United. It's going to be draining, and um, you know it's not a good long-term perspective. But they are newly promoted. You know they're still in a decent-ish position. A lot of games to come in in December and um, like tomorrow in December. A lot of chances for Newcastle to put it to put it right. Uh, West Brom. Then Chris, you're not expecting any any changes. It's, you reckon it's probably going to be. Same lineup, maybe Hayden back in the, in the middle. I mean, I, the one thing is, I don't know whether he's going to go. I, I would be surprised if he went four four two again, just because of what's happened over the last three games. So I think maybe it's four two three one. Who'd be the striker on that? I'm not really sure. Um, I think Hayden or Marino will come back in. Whether Marino's fully fit, possibly not. So Hayden come back in straight into the side. 
and Newcastle try and get back some of, some of the shape and, and discipline they've had, which has been lost over the last few weeks, and because their way record's terrible in the Premier League for long before Benitez has only won once since December 2015 in the top flight, which was weird Swansea. That's um, awful, isn't it? Yeah, which was the, the the thing they were good at last season, but it's a, it's a completely different level back in the Premier League, and they still haven't got that right. Um, so I think they'll go defence first and try and get that solidity back because they're not going to score more goals than most teams in this division. Um, and obviously West Brom drew against Spurs over the weekend. If you know Pardew does come in, there'll probably be that that bounce you get when a new manager is announced. Um, and obviously the added history and kind of feistiness between Newcastle fans and and Pardew will probably give it even more of a spice. Um, can Newcastle beat West Brom? I think a point's a good result now, the way that things look. I, I was kind of saying on the podcast last week, you know, three points from these next two games would be good. Four points from the, from the three that they've got would be would be sensational. Um, you know, and, and I think that I still stick by that. But now a point at West Brom would, would look like a good result, I think. Stop the rot, move, move on. Um, it's going to be difficult because they're not playing well. West Brom are okay. The Hawthorns has been a really bad hunting ground for Newcastle the last few times they've gone there, so it's going to be hard. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not 100 confident. But at a point, I would take, I would snatch your hand away for a point now because that would be a really good result for Newcastle, given the context of everything that's happened, given the fact that they go to Chelsea on Saturday. Um, so yeah, like it's going to be tough because they've. Obviously, had the good result on Saturday as well, but um, they can do it. There's no doubt they can do it. We've seen they can they can go and get a point or get something. You know, don't forget it was only like six weeks ago that they went to Southampton, played pretty well, scored twice, made one mistake probably that cost them in that game. They need a bit of luck as well. That's what separates sometimes. Not Newcastle have deserved to lose the last three games, but in in the odd match, the one nils either way at Swansea, they got the luck. In other games against Brighton and Huddersfield, maybe they didn't, and that and Bournemouth, maybe they didn't, and, and you need a bit of luck because there is a coin flip between seven, eight, nine teams in, in that division. So they need a bit of luck when they go there. There's going to be times where they're going to be backed against the wall. But I, I've predicted ones each in in, in, the, in the predictor. I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with that. That's been positive to a certain extent. But as Mark says, I think a point would be a good result now and, and something to build going forward. And as Mark says, stop the rot a little and hopefully bring a little bit of positivity back. And yourself, Mark. Um, I think it'd be one all. Uh, that's what I've gone for, um, or nil nil. I would take both of those. You know, Newcastle. Like the, the final word for me, it's a probably a nine. T- it's probably a twelve team league within a league in the Premier League now. Newcastle need to finish ninth in that twelve team league. They're currently the fourteenth, so they're like sixth yeah. in all. Well, yeah, yeah, sixth in that league, aren't they? They can do that. You've got to think. That's how you've got to think. They've they've had a pretty good start, so it's given them a foundation that they never had under McLaren. Um, so they just need to keep picking up, you know, x amount of points. Um, Rafa said they need they need to get six points from the next yeah five. twenty by by the uh, nineteen game mark. Because I think I think a that's that will be halfway to the totally one. So things to get better second half of the season, and also. Once you slip below the points to games ratio, I think that's when when you've got less than one point per match. That's when you're starting to to worry a little bit. So if they can stay ahead of that, which a point would would help them stay a little bit ahead of that, would be good. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure somewhere in there there was a bit of positivity. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. So if you head to chronicle we'll bring you all the live uh, coverage of tomorrow's game. 
Um, and we will then look ahead to Chelsea, which is going to be a breeze in London. <laughs> yeah, Chris, right? Well, Chris isn't there. More I'm, not there. I'm going, yeah. yeah. Chris is off on his jollies and he's going to be... 5.45am train. Thanks for that one, Chris. No worries. Nah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, a, good, be a good game. And, and um, yeah, but we could do a point before then, I think, to make everybody feel a bit better. See it a bit more positively, so you believe it. <laughs> I, Everyone else I think believes we've been it. relatively positive today and then we've kind of put everything in context. I think... That's all you can ask for. It wasn't. You can't be positive about Saturday, but you can be positive about the situation Rafa's got them in. Brilliant stuff. I say head over to ChronicleLive.co.uk to get up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. Why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?